Today is one of those topics that uh, it's not kind of fun to talk about, which is depression. Who here wants to be depressed? Well, nobody wants to be depressed. And I think a lot of times we, uh, we think we've got this idea that Christians should never be depressed. You know, if God's in their life and they're full of joy and things are great, then they should never be depressed. And that's kind of what we think. That's kind of what we uh, say to some people. But the reality, the reality is that all of us go through times of difficulty and are faced with the thoughts of depression. And if you are depressed here today, I don't want you to stay in that place. I want you to come out of that place. Now let me give you... I, you know, I just love statistics, so I'm just going to give you a few statistics just to see who is, see if you fit into some of these categories. 10% of the people that are in this room right now are depressed. Some form, some level. That's just the national statistic. 20% of you will go through some form of deep depression during your lifetime. That's one in five. One in five people that are in this room are going to go through a deep depression in their lifetime 14% of the ladies that are here, either they already have or will, if they haven't given birth, will experience postpartum depression. Those are some, you know, maybe a little, maybe a little bit small when we think about, well, it's only one in five. But do we care about the one in five? Yeah, I do. And in fact, up to 80% of us, 80%, that's eight out of ten people that are here in this room today, because I look around, that's got, to be, uh, that's got to be at least 80 people that are here today are going to go through the symptoms or signs of depression. And what does God, what does God's Word say about how do I cope when I get into that place? Now let me give you some of the signs of depression to see if you can recognize them in your life. These are according to the National Institute of Mental Health. Loss of interest in usual activities. Feelings of guilt and worthlessness, hopelessness, weight gain or loss, sleep disturbances, depressed mood, hyperactivity, lethargicness, anxiety, crying, slow thinking, or even suicidal thoughts. Now, if you've got all of those symptoms, guess what? You're, you're in deep depression and you really need to go see a doctor and talk to me, all right? Now, I want to share with you, uh, I'm going to be really vulnerable here because I'm going to tell you some details I haven't even told my wife yet. Just my personal story and my journey with depression. You think, well, Chris, you're standing up in front of us here. Ha, ha, ha. How could you ever be depressed? Well, there was a time when I was. I went through a, uh, about a three-year stint of depression. And uh, it was tough. It was tough. Uh, it started in uh, 1994, around there. It ended with the birth of Eliza, or Rebecca in about 1997. And when you start to understand what depression does to you and how it affects you, you, you and really when I, look, when I look back, it's not until I look back that I realize that I was in depression. And... When you're in the middle of it, sometimes you just don't get it. You just don't understand why I just have no energy. But we went through, I went through a difficult time and lost some things, lost two grandfathers, and then lost some other things, and it just seemed like the whole world around me was caving in. Was it? Well, no, not really. 
And it took me three years to get out of that place, to get out from underneath those thoughts and those tape playing recordings and these voices that I kept hearing in my head about my worthlessness and my hopelessness. And I learned some things through that, and I want to share those with you this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, please turn to Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians through the whole time this morning. And uh, let me give you uh, sort of a clinical definition of what depression is. There's three, three different types, and the first is psychotic, and that's where you're so deeply depressed that you're having hallucinations. You're seeing things that aren't really there. You're hearing things that aren't really there, and that, that's deep depression. There's another form of depression, it's called indigenous, and that form of depression is medical. You've got a chemical imbalance, and it's just as simple as going to see the doctor, getting some blood tests, blood work done, and getting medication. Now, the other side is what is called reactive. Reactive depression. And most of us, if we've been depressed or have gone through times of depression, that is what we will deal with. Now, those of you that have indigenous depression have to take medication for your depression, which is usually caused by bipolarness. There's still some principles that you can learn from God's Word to help you get through this. So, if you're in Philippians, let's just look at some scriptures. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. It says this, But whatever gain I had, I counted it as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Not have, and being found in Him, not having my right, own righteousness which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now the first point, if I'm going to face depression, if I'm going to get through it on the other side, I need to identify the loss in my life and believe the promise. You see, we, uh, we don't necessarily recognize when loss comes. But loss, in terms of depression, is, is real. For me, it was when I lost two grandparents within two months. That was a real loss. That was real. It wasn't imaginary. Now, the Scripture verse, Paul says, hey, you've already lost everything in Christ Jesus. What? Say that again? You mean I've lost everything that I have in Christ Jesus? Everything. My family, those that I love, my possessions, everything. I have lost them in Christ Jesus. But they're right here. They're right here with me. My family is still here. My kids are still here. My possessions are still here. My bank account is still here. But yet the Scripture says, I have lost them through Christ Jesus. In fact, I need to count them as lost and count them as nothing. That's what Paul says. You see, Paul was writing this because he had lost his status, his reputation. He lost everything, but he counted it as lost. But did he really lose it? Not really. Because he counted it as gain in Christ. You see, there's a phenomenal truth in this. Phenomenal truth. If we can see that everything that you and I have is already lost, is already gone, 
that there's nothing in it that I can even have of myself. Then depression. The very thing that triggers depression, which is a sense of hopelessness, which is a sense of being lost, losing things, then how can it really get a hold of me? This is what depression means. It is characterized by a persuasively low mood, loss of interest in usual activities, and diminished ability to experience pleasure. It is based on feelings. Triggered by negative events, the events can be real or imagined. Have I really lost anything? If it's already gone? No, I can't. I can't experience loss if I have counted it, as Paul says, as nothing. And I have suffered the loss of all things that I might gain Christ. You see, one of the things that depression does, one of the things that it grabs you with, is it grabs you onto the possessions of life. But, Christ, but Paul says that I might gain Christ. He counted them. See, it's really easy to count things as lost when you start to put your hands on gaining Christ. And that's believing the promise about, about, about who God is and what He's doing in your life. Who, who here has a wallet they would give me right now? Could somebody give me their wallet? Oh, look, wow. Look at them. <laughs> Yours is empty, but you still have credit cards in it. Oh, you're going to give me... This is... Who else? We need an offering box or something. Here. Who else? Okay, now I am very impressed that um, so many of you have given me your wallet because usually we would not give away the thing that is the most dearest to us, right? We would keep it. We would lay hold of it. Because you don't... See, uh, you guys really must trust me because you think I'm going to give it back when this is over. Right? You trust me. Trust Rowan. Okay, that's what it is. But you see, Don, he was really easy to give it up because he opened it up. He said, there's nothing in it. Right? There's nothing in it. We checked it first. Yeah, that's what he did. But you see, it was really easy for him to give it up when there was nothing in it. But if somebody here had $500 in their wallet, would they easily give it up to me? Well, maybe not. Well, you did. You, ha <laughs> you have $500? I'm impressed, Eric. I am so impressed. Don't tell Dan. That's right. The important papers are worth more than $500. That's right. Now, you guys have thrown me so much off my notes, it's not funny. <laughs> anyway, I will get back to it. I will get back to where I'm going to be. See, what the, the reality is, is that we are in, tied to our possessions. And when we get tied to our possessions... We forget that the thing that our focus is to be on is to what we can gain. And that's what depression does. It ties you down to the things that you've lost. And it actually, it keeps you in the past and not looking forward to what God has done or will do in your life. Because your identity 
is in your possessions and the things that you see. Not in what Christ has done in your life. Let me read you a story of a young woman who at a Woman of Faith conference shared her experience. She had co-hosted the 700 Club and uh, she was a successful Christian singer and TV personality. But yet at that time she felt empty inside. Her depression and sense of worthlessness deepened until one day she began to sob uncontrollably on the TV set. Later, a Christian asked her, Who are you? She answered that she was a Christian singer. No, replied the Christian. I didn't ask what you do. I asked, Who are you? She said, I'm a co-host on the 700 Club. Again, he said, No, who are you? Through God's grace, Her depression led her to discover who she truly is as a child of the King. A person made in God's image and likeness, an individual who has infinite worth and value because God has shared so much of Himself with her and then given her the gift of salvation. That girl was caught up in the identity of her possessions and her position and all the things that she had. She had not counted everything as lost. But through depression, God led her to see that everything that she does have is already lost. And the greatest gain, the greatest gift that she could ever possess is the salvation of Jesus Christ. Alright, the next, when I face depression, the next one is this, I accept God's work in me. Now turn over the page to uh, Philippians chapter 4 and I'm going to read this out of verses 10 to 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have reviewed your concern for me. You have renewed your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In in any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through Him who strengthened me. How, how many people here can say exactly what Paul said? I have learned the secret of facing need, of facing plenty, and to be content with both. Whether I have no food on my table tomorrow morning, or whether I have lots of food on my table tomorrow morning, or clothes, or work, or job, whatever it be. Have I learned, as Paul did, the secret of being content? I know I haven't. I'm still learning the secret of what it means to be content. You see, did he get this way all at once? No. He had to learn it. And that's that whole idea of accepting God's work in me. If God started a good thing in me, is He going to finish it? Yes, He is. Yes, He is. It's a journey of learning to accept contentment. And what depression does, it tells you that you can't be content unless you have this thing, whatever it is. And it cuts away at contentment. I love what Paul said in verse 13. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Woo! Doesn't that get you excited? 
it does me. I can do all things. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, because I don't think you believe it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's everything. To me, I start to get a little bit excited when I think about that as I accept God's work in me and I learn the secret of being content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And my problem is, I just start seeing some pretty big things to do. And I get excited because God can do anything in those circumstances. Let me read you a quote from Oswald Saunders. He said this, The highest degree of courage is seen in the person who is most fearful but refuses to capitulate to it. Courage is that quality of mind which enables men to encourage or encounter danger or difficulty with firmness or without fear or depression of spirits. That's what courage is. That's what contentment does in us. It causes us to move forward and press through things that we haven't pressed through before. Because depression keeps you in that place where you just don't want to. Alright, the third one and last one is this. I look forward to the recovery. When I face depression, I need to look forward to the recovery. So turn back one page to Philippians chapter 3. These are biblical principles. And starting in verse 13, chapter 3, 13, Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting that which lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, depression, one of the things that depression does is it holds you in the past. It keeps you in that place where you're hanging on to the thing that you have lost and not looking forward to what lies ahead. But Paul says, not that I have already attained, but I forget what lays behind me. And this is so hard for us to do. To forget what is behind. We would rather be looking over our shoulder dwelling on the things that are past, maybe how I made a failure, maybe how I'm discouraged, and not looking forward to the thing that I am called to, that I might gain Christ, the upward call of God through Christ Jesus. And that's the recovery. That's the recovery in depression. That was the thing that worked in my life. It wasn't that my circumstances changed. They didn't. Things were still going wrong all around me. But my focus had changed. I stopped looking on the things that were going wrong and looked forward to the promise of what God said He could and would do. And that's what happened in my life. And I need and I want to share with you the fact that to look forward to the recovery time, because that's what happens in depression. You get so focused on the downward spiral that you think that it's never, ever going to end. And some of you guys may be in situations right now at work or in your home or whatever where you just don't think the situation is ever going to end. Let me tell you, it will. It's God's promise. Let me give you some real life stories of some people that have struggled with depression. Names are removed. 
This is what depression says. It tells you that no one loves you. Your family would be better off without you. You're ugly. You're worthless. You're no good. You spend hours on end wishing that you were dead. Now you look at me today and you go, I doubt that that guy has ever had suicidal thoughts. But let me tell you, I have. And it was the, the only thing, the only thing that kept me from not hanging myself was the, fa- was the fact that I had a newborn baby, a daughter. That was the only thing. They're real. Let me give you another one. I feel like nobody, no one. My life has no meaning. Everything I do is destructive. You know, there's some of you here, you, you have those thoughts. You think that there's nothing that I can do. I'm, no, I'm not worthless. Or I am worthless. That's what you think. But I want to tell you that you're not worthless. God has a plan. And here's another story that I'm sure you can relate to. I have made bad choices for so long that the impact is hard to overcome. Every time I think my future is hopeful, something comes along and destroys my hope. See, part of the thing that depression does, it keeps you in the past. It keeps you focused on those things that you've lost. And you lose all hope that anything could be any different. But there is great hope in God. Because without God, you and I could not do a thing. But with God, He can strengthen me for all things. To press towards that upward call of God, which is that painless existence on the other side. Now, I know that there's some of you here today that just through your life, for whatever reason, you will never face depression. And those of us that have gone through depression need to learn from those experiences and then help others on their journey. Because one of the things that we're about here at Pinewoods is caring for people, is loving people, and helping them overcome the things that are hindrances in their life. So how do I? How do I? So I'm going to give you five things that you can do as an individual to help people overcome depression. Because you know what? As the statistics are true. One in five people in your workplace struggle with this. There's tons of people around you in the workplace, in your neighborhood. They struggle with depression. And a psychiatrist won't help them. It's only God that can give them the vision and the hope to get through it. So let me give you the five things. The first one is this. Just listen to their story. Listen to their story. You've been so gracious to me this morning as I've shared some of my story with you. And that is so important that you're able to identify with their story as they share it with you. The second one is this. Help them identify the loss. What is it in their life that they have lost? Whether it's real or imagined. Help them identify with it. Console them and tell them, yeah, you're right, it's lost. Or if it's imaginary, Show them that it's an imaginary loss. Alright, the third one. Encourage them by looking to God. Give them some Scriptures. Give them some stories about your own life. How to deal with that. But encourage them to look to God. 
in that time. The fourth one is this. Identify unbiblical thinking habits. Identify them. Because Paul counted all things as lost. Paul said, don't look from the things behind, but press forward to what is ahead. And those are signs. If people are hanging on to the, the things that are lost, and if they're trying to identify in the past and getting their self-worth from that, eh, that's unbiblical. It's worldly wisdom. It's demonic. It's unbiblical. And we need to be able to identify those things and then help them recognize them. And the last one is this. Offer hope through God. Offer hope. Because there's no other place other than through Jesus Christ that you can help people get through depression by offering them hope in God. Now all of us are ministers of the grace of Jesus Christ. All of us are called to helping people get joined to God, get connected with God, and help them experience the joy that is in Christ, the love and all of the wonderful things that you and I experience in Christ. That's our call. We're ministers of reconciliation. And these are the things that we need to be about as, your, as God's people. And If you've got a heart for people like I do, you want to see them change. You want to see them get out of those places. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank You that You are great and that You are wonderful. You have come and given us hope when we had no hope. And Lord, we want to thank You for that. We want to thank You that You continue to change us and transform us so that we are more like You. Lord, help us forget of the things that are past, but to look forward to the things that are ahead, that eternity, that life that is living eternally with You because of what You have done. Lord, I long for the day when I will see You face to face, when I will praise You with the saints of old, when I will glorify Your name because of what You have done, how You've changed, how You've glorified Your name in this creation. And Lord, and then the things that You have purposed for us. Oh Lord, I long for that day. Lord, convict us of the truth of those that don't know that hope. God, I praise You that You are faithful and that You are real. Help us to share the hope of the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Give us a passion for the lost. Give us a passion for those that work with us and live in our neighborhood. And we will give you the praise both now and forever. Amen.